What would we do when we're going through a hard time in our life if we didn't have someone to turn to who could point us to God? Somebody who could answer questions for us or somebody who could say to us, you know what, according to the Bible, and, and, I, and I've walked with the Lord, and, and, and according to what I've learned in my relationship with Him, here, here's some direction for you. Here's some answers for you. You don't have to walk around in life feeling lost. Amen? What would we do in life when you're going through a hard time if you didn't have someone to give you that kind of direction? You know, even as I asked that question today, I realized that many of us, most of us maybe even, have spent our lives doing just that, haven't we? I mean, we, many of us have, have lived our lives doing the best we could. I, you know what I find as I talk with people? Many people say, you know what, Robbie? I, you know, I was going through life, and I came to a point of realizing that, you know what? I, I need God in my life, and, and, and I didn't know what that was all about. And so I went to church, and I tried to find out, but just, you know, it just... It just got a bunch of religion or just a bunch of complicated, complex things, and I didn't really find God there. And so I'm just doing the best I can to try the best to to live life the best I can, the best I know how by myself. I think that's many people's story. Can I just ask you tonight, if that is your story, how's that been going for you? (laughs) If you've been trying to live your life on your own, or, or there was a time in your life that you didn't have a church family. Do you remember that? There was a time in your life that you didn't have people to support you, to encourage you, to equip you, to challenge even. How did that go for us? Sadly, I'm sure it probably didn't go very well. In fact, if you look at the Old Testament, the book of Judges, if you want to go back and read the book of Judges, the book of Judges is one of the darkest books in the Bible. I mean, all kinds of terrible things happen in the book of Judges, and there's a consistent theme throughout the book of Judges. And that theme is this. There was no king in Israel. There was no one to lead God's people. And as a result of that, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everybody just tried to do the best they could, tried to figure out the best way they knew how. And the Bible shows us through the book of Judges what we get when that happens. There was a terrible mess that came about in their lives and in their nation as a result of that. In other places in the Old Testament, right down to Ezekiel chapter 34. In Ezekiel 34, God speaks specifically to spiritual leaders. Because he says, you know what? When spiritual leaders, when people who are supposed to be helping people find God, helping people grow and fulfill their purpose in their life, when those people don't do what they've been called to do, it puts people in an extremely vulnerable position because they don't have the leadership that God wants to give for their lives. In fact, Jesus, write down Matthew 9, 36. In the Gospels, it tells us that Jesus was traveling through all the cities and all the villages, and he was healing people, and he was sharing the good news with people. And as he saw the people, he looked, and they were just thrown about by life. That's a paraphrase, but that's almost literally what it says. They were thrown down, they were harassed and beaten up by life. And the reason was, he looked, he says, because they were sheep without a shepherd. It breaks God's heart tonight when he sees us living our lives without spiritual leadership because he knows that we need people like that in our lives. We need people around us in our lives who can encourage us, who can support us, who can guide us, who can help us to fulfill, to find his purpose and to fulfill that in our lives. Well, I sure am hoping. If you've been coming to New Hope for a little while, I sure am hoping that the situation has been changing for you.
If you would just say, you know what, I've lived much of my life without guidance, without knowing how to follow God, without knowing how to live a, a, a life in a relationship with Him. You were trying to figure it out on your own, but, but now you would say, you know, I hope God has brought you here, and I hope you're beginning to see that, you know what, God has more for me. Amen? God, God has a plan for my life. He wants to have a relationship with me. And, and there's something ahead for me that God's got a future and a hope, as Jeremiah 29, 11 says. I know the plans that I have for you, God says, plans for good things and not for bad things to give you a future and a hope. And I hope you're experiencing that as, as God has connected you with new hope. And tonight as we study God's word in 1 Peter chapter 5, I want us to see that a critical part of God's family Providing the kind of help like that that we need for our lives is having spiritual leaders that God places in our lives to help us to experience those things. And as Peter talks about that, he acknowledges the importance of having pastors in our lives. And that's really what we want to talk about together tonight. Now, I just want to say, I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer here tonight. It's very difficult to talk about something that relates to you, okay? So, but, but here's what I want to say to you, okay? I'm going to do my best to preach about what I do, okay? But to do my best to do that as from the Lord, because here's, here's my heart. I want to share this with you guys. If I am not faithful to share with you what God's Word teaches, then one day, when I'm dead and gone, then this church will not be equipped to be the kind of church that God wants it to be. And so tonight, I'm going to do the best I can to teach you, to preach, to share God's Word about what He says about the critical need for spiritual leaders in our lives. So tonight, let's talk about somebody. <laughs> Amen. Somebody needs to be leading this thing. Amen. And, and obviously, we know that it's the Lord. But tonight, we want to understand that He does place leadership in our lives. So first of all, I want to talk about that, the need for God's leaders in our lives. And let's go ahead and read these verses in 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verses 1 and 4. It says, Therefore, I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory." Now, in general, as you read the Bible, we see an emphasis on leadership. When God does something, he raises up leaders. Look all throughout the Bible. When God is going to do something, now, let's just uh, kind of step back here and say, can God do anything? Amen. Can he kind of handle it pretty much on his own? <laughs> Amen, to say the least. Amen. And, and there's a lot of that we can kind of track down. Why does God work through us? Just as a side note, I'll tell you, it's kind of like when I'm working on a project at the house. You know, and Drew wants to help me out with that project. You know, when your child wants to help you out with that project, you know, sometimes that's challenging, right? Because you got things you want to do. But you know what? Doesn't it bring you great joy to have that child involved with you? And I think that very much kind of relates to God's heart for us. He says, you know, I could do this work in your life, but I raise up leaders and I work through them because that's my plan. That's my purpose. That's how I want to accomplish my mission. So we see leadership and we see structure as well. God calls us to do things, write down 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40. The Bible says that God calls us to do things in an orderly manner. If you look at God's creation, don't we see evidence of order? 
Don't we see evidence of a planet? Look at the universe. It's amazing, isn't it? In fact, many scientists who kind of have an, a, kind of an initial presupposition against God will say, you know, we have to keep reminding ourselves that this is not made by God because it looks like somebody did this. Okay, it's very organized. You look at the human body. It's amazing, isn't it? The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139 talks about that. It's amazing how complex and how it all does what? It all works together, doesn't it? As we think about that in God's work, I can't help but think about three key passages. Right on Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 through 23. In the Old Testament, Moses was leading the children of Israel. And some estimate that he was leading about 2 million people. Okay, so here's Moses, and he was God's servant. He was God's leader that God had raised up to lead his people out of Egypt. Okay, but, but what was happening was as Moses was leading the people, there would be people that, you know, you got 2 million people. I'm kind of thinking they had a complaint box, amen? There was kind of a, a you know, where's the complaint department? Who do I report this to? And so the, the image that I'm just kind of summarizing, you can go back and read it, the images is that Moses kind of had 2 million people standing in line every day just, well, I'd like to ask about this, or I'd like to let you know about this, or we need some water over here on the far side here. You know, all these kind of things are coming to him. And his father-in-law comes up to Moses, Jethro, and he says, Moses, he says, this thing that you're doing, it's not good. He says, first of all, you're going to wear yourself out. And secondly, these people's needs aren't getting met. Okay, so this is not a good plan, is basically what he says. And then it says over in verse, uh, verse 21, he says, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain. So we're seeing men of character. You shall place them as leaders over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Do you see that? God's breaking down his people into manageable, bite-sized groups where the people can be ministered to and they can work together. I noticed a few years ago the same thing in the feeding of the 5,000. In that, we think about the miracle, we think about the food, we think about all those images. But if you look at it in Mark chapter 6, verse 39, it says, He commanded the people all to sit down by groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And then it says that he spoke to the disciples, he gave them instruction, and then what did they do? They distributed to all the people. Isn't that kind of interesting? Jesus said, okay, all right, let's get, let's get organized. All you people like to organize, it's good news to you, isn't it, that God's an organized kind of God, amen? <laughs> now, don't get me wrong, God does uh, special things too, so we don't all have to go to, uh, all, always according to agenda, amen? So we can go different directions with that. But God is an organized God, and he broke them down to groups in the early church. If you look at the progression in, in the book of Acts, there are thousands of people who came to know the Lord within a very short period of time. In fact, the numbers that are specifically given to us there, uh, there's one group of about 3,000 people, and then it says another group of about 5,000 men. Now, I'm assuming if it says 5,000 men, there's probably some ladies and children as well. All right, so at least 8,000 people, and probably if there was 5,000 men, there was probably, let's say there was, a, there was an average of maybe one or two more with those men and their family that, that had given their life to the Lord. There were over 10,000 people who had given their life to the Lord. And as that began to happen, it says in Acts chapter 6 that the 12 disciples, those first apostles, they said, you know what? We need to make sure that we keep our focus here and we continue to spread God's word. We continue to keep that focus on moving forward together. He says, okay, we need, they said, we need to set aside some people who can be in charge of some specific aspects of God's word. Okay, so we see God's an organized God. He puts structure. And as part of that, 
You see in the Old Testament and the New Testament, as God is working amongst his people, you see this emphasis on elders. Okay, in the Old Testament, it was just a very practical thing of, you know what, there were older people. Usually when we think, and this is not always true, but many times we think of with age comes what? Wisdom, right? And so it kind of really in cultures all over the world, really, it's been kind of thought of as that we have the elders of our tribe, right? The elders are kind of the ones who have some wisdom. They have some experience. So you see that in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it becomes a little more specific, not so much tied to age, though I, though I do think age can be very helpful. But it comes to mean basically seasoned people, mature people, experienced people who can be looked to for oversight or teaching or guidance or direction. And actually, one of the passages actually says, not a novice, okay? So that's kind of the idea there. Someone who's not a novice, but who has some experience and is kind of seasoned, has some maturity in their walk with the Lord. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had a problem and you didn't know what to do? Yeah, like about 30 minutes before I got here, right? Okay, a daily basis, amen? Okay, let me be even more specific. Have you ever had a problem and didn't know what to do, but you wondered what God would want you to do in that situation? I hope you're thinking of that. I think many of us are moving in that direction, aren't we? Okay? You wanted to know what God would do in a situation... But many times we're not sure, aren't we? We, we? we Maybe we get some ideas, we're thinking about it, and you didn't know a verse to turn to, or you hadn't walked with the Lord for very long, or, or you didn't know a spiritual principle that, that, or how it would play out in real life, or you needed some help discerning. Isn't it nice to have people that you can come to to ask, hey, here's what I'm running into. Can you share with me what the Bible says? Can you share with me how God would have me to, to, to live this out in my life. Here in First Peter, or First Peter chapter 5, verse 1, that Peter says, okay, look, we've been talking about God's hope for the challenges in life. And as he's wrapping up that whole message, he says, okay, in light of that, in light of all that we've talked about, I want to speak to the elders among you. He says, there are people in your midst who have been given by God a role in your life. And Peter says the word that's used there, it's, it's a word that's kind of got a lot of kind of different meanings to it. It's a word that basically means, Peter says, I'm going to come alongside these men for just a minute. I've got some things that I want to say. The word can mean exhort or challenge or comfort or encourage or instruct. Peter says, listen, I want to come alongside these men in your midst and I want to kind of speak to them for just a minute. And he does it. Very humbly, like we talked about last time. He says, I want to speak to the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Now, those first and last things, he says, as a fellow elder, he's identifying himself with them. Now, I'm speaking to those elders among you, and I'm a fellow elder. He says, okay, so we're kind of, you know, we kind of have a similar role in our lives. And then he says, and as a fellow partaker of the glory that's to be revealed, we talked about that last time, thank God one day all this mess is going to be over and we're going to be really excited about Jesus coming back. Amen? So he's kind of, again, identifying himself. He's saying, I've got the same kind of role you do and I've got the same kind of excitement about him coming back that you do. And then in the middle of that, he says, but also a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And I think that's just kind of a hint that Peter's saying he has a role in their life that's a little bit different. It's a little distinct. He is a fellow elder, but he kind of has a special role. He was an apostle, all right? 
And so it's just kind of a general reminder there that God has given me a role as one of the apostles to give his word, give his instruction to his people. And that's basically what he's saying. He says, God says that we need godly men in our midst who can be his servants to fulfill a special role in our lives, especially in light of the fact that life's tough and I need to know that I got some people backing me up. Amen. Now, before we move on with the instruction that Peter gives them specifically, I want us to think about some mistakes that many churches have made in this regard. And guys, again, I just want to share with you. I, this is, a, for me, having started, been a part of God starting New Hope, this is, a, this is a, always in my heart. Is God, what tracks are we laying? The 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, I don't know when Jesus is coming back. It seems like it might be soon, amen? I mean, we could get into all that. But if he doesn't come back anytime soon, we pray that this church is going to be around for a long time, amen? And no matter who's your pastor, no matter who's involved, no matter who's in the congregation, that we'll be focused and strong and healthy for years and years to come. Amen? Is that your heart? Because if you want to know how important, listen to this, friends. See, it would be tempting for us to say, last week's message was specifically focused on my problem and my issues, and I can apply that to my life. What I think we learn when we come to the Lord, when we come to churches, is that the world doesn't always revolve around what I need today, right? What I need to learn is what God has to say about life. And so talking about spiritual leadership may seem like, oh, that's not really of interest to me, but let me just say this to you. If you want to know how important God-called spiritual leadership is, look at churches that don't have it. Right? And if, if we get to the point that we don't have it, I pray that we do <clears throat> right now, but if we ever got to the point that we didn't have it, that would hurt your life, wouldn't it? It would hurt my life. So let's look at some mistakes. Write these down. Some churches overemphasize structure. That's a mistake that some churches make. All right? What do I mean by that? How many of you have counted in the last 30 minutes how many breaths you've been taking? How many of you? Anybody? Okay. All right. <laughs> Not many of us have been doing that, right? How many of you have been saying, eyes blink? Eyes blink again. Eyes blink one more time. And by the way, while you're occupied on that, your heart was beating too. So good thing it didn't need your instruction, right? Okay, well, what we're saying is our body and many other things have organization. But the purpose of our body is not to be an organization. The purpose of our body is to be a living, breathing organism. Amen? See what I'm saying? So organization is important, but when churches overemphasize structure, they get, they get in trouble. Structure, they get in trouble. Our purpose is not to be an organization. Our purpose is to be the body of Christ, and that involves organization. See the difference? Okay, so we need to be careful about it. Secondly, many churches overemphasize a role called deacons. Let me share with you the setup. To be honest with you. Most churches that I've been involved with in my life, here's been the setup. There is a single, what we're talking about here, elder or pastor, and there is a, and we'll talk more about that here in just a moment, and there's a group, actually, some many churches call them the board of deacons. First of all, 
whether you're talking about elders or pastors, whether you're talking about deacons, whoever came up with the board idea, doesn't that sound a lot more like Wall Street than church? Okay, whatever we have, shouldn't it be a ministry, not a board? Okay. But what happens is God never called, if you look at the, the, the role of deacons in the Bible, God never called deacons to be what we're talking about tonight. God never called them to do that. But here's what happens. In many churches, they have a single pastor, and it's sad to say, many churches, did you know that pastors only stay about three years? Many of you have experienced that. Pastors come and go, don't they? Okay, so what happens is many churches have one pastor, a single pastor, and they have a group of deacons. And what happens over time is because pastors come and go, but because those deacons probably live in the community and they stay there over time, what happens is there's kind of a granted authority where those deacons who were meant to be used by God for other reasons, from a practical standpoint, their roles become intermingled, and those deacons kind of become something else other than what God created them to be. And that has messed up many churches. Sometimes people will ask me, they'll say, Pastor Robbie, when are we going to have deacons? Well, we will have deacons. But according to God's word, it's more important to establish elders or what we call pastors. Because if you think about it, deacons in the New Testament weren't really, they didn't really come about until there were thousands of people. Now, I'm not saying we're waiting until we have 2,000 people before we have deacons. But listen to what we believe. Here's where, here's kind of the direction our church is going, okay? I want to share this with you. And, and then you can understand why with those growth group signups and everything, that's not just some fun thing we like to do here. Okay, we're doing growth groups because here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to plant the seeds for ministry in and through this church, Okay. And actually, it needs to go global, all right? It needs to just go all over this church, right? And what happens many times is churches focus on deacons doing all the ministry. But really, we believe that deacons are mature people, mature men who've been set aside by God to help the church family meet needs within the church family. The reason they need maturity is because, hey, you ever worked with people before? <laughs> you won't go very long being immature without some problems, right? So here's what we want to see in our church family. Those groups are ministering to one another. But guess what? If someone goes in the hospital for two days, could your group make meals for that person for a couple of days? Probably, yeah. If somebody has a major illness and goes in the hospital for six months, wouldn't that kind of overwhelm a group? So if you had a deacon that was uh, kind of uh, helping to organize clusters of groups, those people could come together and meet a larger need together. Or let's say somebody in your group says, you know, I'm kind of having trouble. My kids pray for me. Can a group handle that? If somebody says, I'm leaving my wife tomorrow, I could kind of see the group going, what do we do about this, right? We need some backup. We need someone with some spiritual maturity <clears throat> that can help us walk through that. So we believe the emphasis is on those smaller groups. Then when that becomes too much or too weighty, then you have some people to help organize that. Number three, a mistake that many churches make is ignoring elders and letting the whole group lead. Now, what I mean by that? Many people, it sounds noble at first, but they say, we're just going to let the Holy Spirit lead us. Well, we know that. Amen. <laughs> we are going to let the Holy Spirit lead us. But let me ask you this. If you just said we're all going to lead, how would that work at your house? <laughs> hey, everybody's in charge. Let's try that for a day, amen? <laughs> amen. 
It doesn't work. And many churches are spinning their wheels because of that. In fact, if you look at the Old Testament story of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, okay, if they had just done a group lead kind of thing, guess where they'd have been? Hey, what does everybody want to do? I want to go back to Egypt. I'm loading up a bus. Who wants to go, right? Everyone has a role and everyone gives input, but everyone can't lead. No matter what role, no matter what place you find yourself in society. Somebody said this, one uh, famous pastor I heard say this one time. He says, anything with no head is dead and with two or more heads is a freak. (laughs) In every place you find yourself in society, there's got to be some leadership, right? God's balance. Let me share this with you. And I hope you see this in our church family, okay? God's balance is that there are God-called, God-appointed leaders who work within reasonable parameters within a church family, and they are leading out, they are leading that effort in us following the Lord in His direction, and they're listening to the Lord as He speaks through the body. Did you hear that? So it's kind of like, some people ask me, how does that work? It's kind of like a marriage. People say, how does marriage work? I say, I don't know, just watch. <laughs> you know, just hopefully if it's working right, hopefully it's a give and take, isn't it? There is certainly a God-called role for the husband to be a spiritual leader in the home, but he's not the boss, is he? Somehow there's a given, there's a, there's a leadership role, there's a leading out, but he's a leader in being a servant and doing the right thing. And he's also listening to his wife as God uses them together. I believe that's, that's, a, that's a big way that the church, that's a, that's a good picture. Someone said this, church rule which minimizes the biblical authority of elders in favor of a cultural democratic process is foreign to the New Testament. John MacArthur is the one who said that. Okay, last one is only one elder. Many churches have this. Many churches have one person trying to do everything that we're talking about tonight in this critical ministry. Now, here's the thing. I think the sentiment is right. We kind of have a sense in our heart. We kind of have a sense, and I think God's Word demonstrates this through the apostles, that there should be a lead person. But the Bible seems to demonstrate, even though there might be a primary leader, some people call that senior pastor or lead pastor, that's the kind of the term, even though that might be the case, there still needs to be a team working together. Write down Titus 1.5 and Acts chapter 20, verse 17. So let me summarize that with this. The biblical way seems to be, some people call it a plurality, okay? It's just a group, okay? A group of elders with one as the lead or the senior pastor, and those elders are providing, or those pastors are providing spiritual leadership to the body while being sensitive to the Lord as he speaks also through the body. Now, I will say this. I do believe that that is kind of a fluid thing, not the principle, but the specific application. I believe as our church grows and as the different dynamics change, structure needs to change. But that's the general principle uh, that God's Word seems to set forth. Now, again, I said this may seem like you know not a big deal and not, my, not help for my problem. But like I said, we need to have a healthy view of how God wants His people to work If not, we're not going to have the help that we need for our lives. I think that's what Peter's saying. So let's look at the role of those leaders in our lives. Look at verses 2 through 4. He gives them specific instruction about what they are supposed to do. First of all, he says, shepherd the flock. Then he says, uh, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God. 
and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Okay, so we said, as we're going through life, there's a lot of hard things that happen, and one of the ways that God helps us is providing spiritual leadership. We need those in our lives. And there are many types of leadership that God provides, but we're talking about those primary people, elders that God has placed in His Word. But we might ask, what is their role? Well, it's interesting, in this passage, the New Testament gives, uh, is given the three names that we find for this role. If you look at verse 1, what do we say? They're called what? They're known as elders. We already talked about that. In verse 2, what does it say? Shepherd. Okay, and that's kind of the word that we get our word pastor from. Okay, by the way, that's the word that we've chosen to use to designate these people in our church family. And it's mainly because some of those other names sometimes have different connotations that are not what we intend uh, by that uh, designation. The third one is in verse 3. What does he call that? It's actually, it's given uh, kind of in the flow of conversation, but it's a shepherd, the flock of God among you, exercising oversight. That's the other word that you find in the New Testament for a pastor is overseer. Some of your uh, older translations translate actually bishop. But now again, if we use the term bishop, in many church setups, bishop means something totally different than a local church pastor. Okay, it means something uh, denominational. So here's what some people have said. Write this down. Elder speaks of maturity. Remember we said that's the not a novice thing? Okay, this is someone who has a little bit of a relationship with God and should be able to give some kind of leadership. Shepherd speaks of ministry, the care, the concern, the help. The protection. I want to be honest with you guys. Until I became a pastor, I did not realize the role that pastors have in guarding God's work. There are constant challenges. Some of it's wolves. The Bible talks about that. There are constant. The enemy is constantly trying to mess up what we're doing. Did y'all know that? I hope you say no. I didn't. Because you know what? Part of our role is to do everything we can for you not to have to worry about that. Now, on the other side of that, you say, but, oh, pastor, you can't do all that by yourself. So you're praying and you're working together with it. There's that give and take, right? I want to do everything I can to take care of all those issues so that you can just do the ministry. Amen? But then you're also saying, but, pastor, you can't do that. You guys can't do that by yourself, so we're going to work with you. There's that give and take. We're working together because we love the Lord and we want his work to stay precious. Amen? Amen? You with me? Amen or oh me? <laughs> all right the third one's overseer someone said that speaks of management so the elder speaks of maturity the shepherd the pastor idea speaks of ministry that care that protection and that overseer part sounds kind of like management there's that leadership part providing direction vision all those kind of things now again that's not hard and fast but that's just kind of a way to, to think about it so let's look at what peter says he said first of all shepherd some of your translations say what what does it say there in verse uh, two First word, what's it say? Feed, care, okay. All those attend, care for the flock, that's what it's saying. Feed the flock, care for the flock. You can see a shepherd leading sheep, can't you? What's he going to do? He's going to lead them, he's going to care for them, he's going to protect them, he's going to keep wolves away from them. Jesus said in John chapter 10, a good shepherd is willing to even lay down his life to protect those sheep. By the way, notice whose flock it is. Shepherd the flock of who? Hey, guess what? This ain't Robbie's church. This ain't nobody else's church. This is Jesus' church. 
Book of Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says, which he purchased with his own blood. It's his work, amen? And I care about it even more because if it's mine, I might give up sometimes, but it's his. I care about it even more, amen? Shepherd that flock. It's the flock of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Secondly, he says to oversee. Now, that's a repeated concept for pastors in the New Testament. In the meantime, I see that like a quarterback. Don't you love watching Peyton Manning? Well, not right now because he's out. If you watch football, he's out right now. But you watch Peyton Manning on the field. I mean, that guy, wow. He's got a team full of guys, and you can tell he has a great relationship with them. And what do they do? They work together to get a lot done. Amen? There's a lot of moving pieces, and he's watching, he's looking. You know what? When the guy's down for center, that guy can't see all that Peyton Manning's seeing, right? Because he's focused on his what? What they call it? Your assignment, right? I've got my role, you've got your role, we're working together, and you've got that quarterback that's sort of just saying, okay, and you know what, That's in many ways, that's kind of the role of a pastor. In some ways, I think God uniquely gifts people to be able to do that, but to be honest with you, I think in many ways it's just a practical thing. Okay, somebody comes to me and says, Pastor Robbie, we need to emphasize prayer ministry more in our church family. Guess who says that? The prayer ministry leader. And then somebody comes in, Pastor Robbie, we need to emphasize women's ministry more in our church. Guess who said that? Women's ministry. <laughs> Pastor Robbie, we need to let people know that God is working amongst our children. Guess who said that? The children's ministry leader. And guess what? I agree with all of them. But you know what I find is, and that's just because God's called them to do that. Amen? You are concerned about what you're passionate about, what you're called to do, and praise God for them. And part of our role as pastors is to keep all those pieces working together so that it's not just children doing something and adults doing something, but we're all doing something. Amen? And that's not perfect. But hopefully with God's help, that happens. That's oversight. We're, we're, we're keeping a watch. We're looking over the flock and where it's all going together. The third thing he tells us to do is to be willing. A pastor should be willing. Now, this kind of speaks to me. I joke about this sometimes, but... Um, you guys know that uh, in my life, to some extent, and I hope you give me a little grace here, it's not because I don't like y'all or I don't like doing what I'm doing, but but you know what? I wouldn't have picked what I do. I mean, I wouldn't have just like, you know, let's, let's find some jobs, and that's the one I want to do. I want to be a pastor. There are lots of reasons why I don't want to be a pastor, okay? But you know what? God's called me to do this. And you know what the Bible says? This is encouraging to me. He says, don't do it under compulsion. Don't do it as a duty do it because, he says, do it willingly. Do it of your own accord, according to God. This is God's will for you. You know what? That encouragement helps me. By the way, most of the reason that I fight, that I've fought that in my life, how many of you, if you ever got called to do something by the Lord, felt inadequate? Okay? So that's most of my struggle. I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. But you know what? The Bible says if God's called you to do something, you ought to do it cheerfully willingly not not because you have to but because you know i think many of us even if you're not serving in a pastoral kind of way many of us can use that instruction can't we don't just say okay god i'll do it don't you just love it when your kids say okay i'll do it oh isn't that a blessing right (laughs) okay so this challenges us even though thank god you've been obedient and you just did it because he told you to that's a good step i like it when my kids obey but i would really like it if they enjoyed obeying, amen? <laughs> and so God tells us that's what we should shoot for. Fourthly, he says we should be rightly motivated. He said pastors should not do this for dishonorable gain. And this is basically what this means. 
it means that pastors should not serve in that way for any reason that would benefit themselves. Now, many people focus on that like in a financial way, and certainly it can mean that. By the way, I just want to share with you, again, this is kind of where the weird part comes in. I'm talking about myself here. All right, but, but I'm just going to set myself aside. I'm just going to give you instruction. The Bible says it's perfectly fine. In fact, it's right to pay pastors and even to pay them well. 1 Corinthians 9, 14. Write these down. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, and 13. But that or any other selfish reason should not be their, their reason for serving. Instead, it says they should serve with passion. It says uh, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. That word means with enthusiasm from the beginning. And here's what I wrote down in my notes. Down with dead and boring pastors. Amen? (laughs) I mean, good grief, buddy. If you're not excited about this, don't do it. Amen? Pastors ought to be motivated. I tell you what, that's what gets me up here. It's because you guys are so precious so hungry to know the Lord and to follow Him. And I get to be the one tonight to share the Word of the Lord. Man, I get motivated about that, amen? I get excited about that. Fifthly, it says be humble. God's Word does tell us to think highly of pastors, to appreciate them, to follow their lead. I gave you a couple of those verses. Let me just read 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. He says, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you. There's that oversight in the Lord and give you instruction that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work, okay? The Bible says that. Hebrews 13, verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. You hear that again, that oversight thing? And they're going to give an account for that. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this will be unprofitable for you. So what that's saying is pastors have spiritual authority, but pastors are not bosses, and they should not act that way. So here's the deal. Jesus is the boss. We all got that? Amen? I better have it, and I hope you've got it too. Jesus is the boss. He's got something he wants to do. We better be focused on him. You've heard me say before, he's the star of this show, amen? When we come together tonight, he better be the focus, the center of the attention, the reason that we're here, the one who's speaking to us. And, and, and God can speak through his body. He can work through these men that we're talking about. Praise God for that, but they should be very humbled by it. They should take it very seriously. I'm going to tell you, part of the reason that I've struggled with my role over time, and God's helped me to get over most of that, but it's because it's a big responsibility. And we ought to be scared by it. If God calls someone to serve in that way, they ought to, they ought to really think about that. They're going to have to give an account to the Lord. Sixth thing he says is to be an example. I saw that elder idea. A pastor should be somebody that's walking with God right? He should be someone that others can look to and say, you know what? There's a good example. There's someone that I can follow. Now, I got to say this, okay? What God's word says about our pastors is a big deal. And anyone who serves in that way should see it that way. Well, let's give some grace too, amen? Pastors are sinners, just like everybody else. Now, that's no excuse for them to be lazy, But we need to be careful that we don't substitute them for God because who's the boss? Jesus is the boss. And we need to give them and their families room to be normal and to grow just like anybody else. 
other passages that talk about this. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, you can write these down. Ephesians 4, verse 12, the role of the pastors to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. 1 Timothy 3, Titus chapter 1. Those are just some passages you can go back and look at. Here's how many of you may have heard me summarize this. Pastors, elders, overseers, whatever you call them, they're to lead, they're to feed, they're to guide, they're to protect. That's really kind of a good synopsis of what our pastors should do. Now again, let's be careful. Let's don't expect them to be perfect, but listen to me. This church should never call a pastor to serve in this way who is not a godly man who is willing to give his life in sacrificial service to others. That is true. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it should be a godly man who is willing to give his life in sacrificial service to others. Okay, so I said earlier, this might be a message that you think, you know what, what's this got to do with my life? Well, here's what it has to do with your life. Life is hard, and I need help. How about you? And tonight, I'm so glad that God knew before the foundation of the world that church would be a good idea. To have a family, that's a good idea, isn't it? That's a great idea. Unfortunately, for many people, church is not a good idea. But that's not God's fault. It is possible for church to be one of the most amazing supports in your life. And if a church is going to be healthy, it needs to have the kind of leadership that God describes for us. As we close out tonight, I want to ask you this question. First of all, I want to ask you to do this. Will you pray for our leaders? <laughs> I, I almost don't even want to ask that. You know why? i got to tell you guys, y'all bless us. Y'all bless me. I, every week, I cannot tell you how many people tell me, Pastor Robbie, I'm praying for you and your family. Guys, you may just think, oh, he hears that all the time. That is huge. That is huge. You pray, you pray for me. You know what? You know what else? You're a blessing. Your responsiveness. You know, I've been to churches. I mean, I've I've been in a lot of churches. I've been to churches, and it's just like I stand up there. They ask me to come preach. I'm just like, I, I never mind. I don't want to, because <laughs> they don't care. They're just in there like, I bet you can't bless me. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I don't want to. You guys are such a blessing to me because I look at your faces and you're saying, I want to know God. What a blessing that is. To gratefulness is a blessing to a pastor. You know, I've been in many churches where they just think, you're the pastor, you ought to do that. A pastor should be a servant. But, but some churches have taken the approach, we need to keep him humble. Well, trust me, if he's, being, if he's doing what God's got him to do, He's going to be humble. God's going to take care of that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let's watch all that. Amen. Let's encourage those. And this goes beyond pastors, even the application, youth leaders, Awana leaders, anybody who's blessing you, who's serving God in your life. Be a blessing to them. Amen. And again, I want to say to you guys, you are doing that. You're doing well. May God help us to continue to do that in the future. Amen. Tonight, God has given us people in our lives who can help us in times when times are tough. I'm so grateful for that. I have them in my life. You have them in your life. Would you worship him for that? Would you thank him for that tonight?
Would you commit tonight to praying for our leaders, ministry leaders or pastors or whoever it might be? Maybe God's put on your heart. My youth is, is being blessed by youth group, and I'm going to start praying for every one of the youth leaders by name. Praise God if that's what you got out of this message. And tonight I want to ask you this. Do you know for sure that you are secure in God, that you are covered by Him, that you are under His protection because you have received Him as your Savior, you've given your life to Him, and what we've talked about tonight is a component of your spiritual life. But really, the way you can know that you've got that kind of protection in your life is by receiving Christ as your personal Savior. Can I tell you, God is working in our church family. I met with two people this week already who's ready to be baptized. Isn't that great? <laughs> God is working. People are accepting Christ. People are taking steps forward. I wonder if tonight's your night. I spoke with a young lady this morning. You see, I thought when I was a little girl that I accepted Christ, but I realized a couple of months ago after coming to New Hope, I realized a couple of months ago that I had not truly given my life to Jesus Christ, but I have now. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? It's tonight your night. Let's bow before him for just a moment. People of God, would you just worship the Lord tonight? Would you thank Him for giving you a church? Would you thank Him for your pastors? Would you thank Him for the ministry leaders in our church? Would you thank Him for the person that teaches your child in Awana? Would you thank Him for the ladies who organize the women's ministry every Tuesday night? Would you thank Him for Celebrate Recovery? for youth group, for all these things that God is providing for you. Leaders, would you thank Him for them tonight? Would you pray for them? Would you, would you commit right now that, God, over the next week, I'm going to pray specifically for these people? God, that you'll encourage them in the work that they're doing. You'll strengthen them and their families. That you'll help them to see fruit from their labors. God, that I'll be a part of lifting up their hands and supporting the work that we're doing together with them. You know, maybe tonight you're here and you receive direction from someone spiritually. Someone was trying to provide leadership for you in your life. And maybe you didn't appreciate that. But now God's speaking to you that they were being his servant in your life. And you need to ask him to forgive you for that. Thank Him for someone willing to tell you God's way for your life. Whatever it is tonight, would you just talk to the Lord about whatever He's wanting to do in your heart? If you are here tonight and you do not know with 100% certainty where you're going to spend forever, there is absolutely no reason why you have to leave this room not knowing that. The Bible says if you will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, you can be saved from your sins. Past, present, and future, right now, Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you. I want to be your child. Please save me. Would you do that right now? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, for the teaching and instruction that you give us. Lord, I don't know how you wanted to use it tonight. But just speak to our hearts. Help us to respond to you in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For those of you that might be kind of new to New Hope, we want you to understand that 
hearing God's word is very, very important. That's a great first step. But really, the Bible says we have to respond to it. So it's not enough that it just kind of goes out and that we hear it, but it needs to sink down in our hearts as we receive it. So tonight, this time of the service is really, we call it an invitation. It's just an invitation to respond to God. And that can be when we're going to stand here and Jeff's going to lead us in a closing song. That can be just you singing that song to God. It's kind of a wrap-up of Him speaking to you tonight and you just worshiping Him in that way. That could be you praying by yourself. You can stay seated. You can kneel down by your chair. You can come down front just kind of symbolically. Sometimes to me, to move physically kind of says I'm more serious. So if you want to do that tonight, just to come and kneel before the cross and talk to God about something in your life. Or if you need to talk with someone, then I'd just love to be God's servant to help you tonight with whatever it is, whatever decision, whatever struggle. We don't want to leave anybody to leave here without offering to you. We'd be glad to help you.